Welcome into the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek for Friday, January 3rd. I'm Daniel Salerson and joining me today is Joel Myers, television voice of the New Orleans Pelicans. We have a great show for you today. We'll also hear from Bobby Jackson, assistant coach, player development coach for the Sacramento Kings as we continue to uh, talk to some of the New Orleans Hornets slash Pelicans alumni. And so we have a lot of good stuff to talk about, including a game day against the Los Angeles Lakers. And it's a road back-to-back as we'll take on the Kings tomorrow night. First off, Joel, hope you had a nice few days off and a happy new year. You too, Daniel. And it was kind of hard to believe, actually. Uh, I can't remember a, a spell where we've been off like this without it being All-Star break. And even in the old days of All-Star break, we only had a weekend. It wasn't like we had four consecutive days like we just had. Uh, that's hard to believe. Yeah. And, and it was good for the team to recharge their batteries. Absolutely. It felt like an all-star break. It was 17 games in 33 days before that. Just a tough schedule for the Pelicans, and they actually ended on good fashion. You know, four-game winning streak for them, including a sweep of the back-to-back against two playoff teams. Uh, Pelicans are on the uptick right now. A lot of good play on both sides of the floor. Yeah, and I like the way other guys are contributing, too. We know Brandon and Drew are going to be there every night. And it's nice to see Derek Favors getting healthier and and the back spasms that he experienced earlier this year aren't a problem now. In fact, he's got 33 rebounds over the last two games. And then you look at some of the other numbers, what Brandon has done with 51 points over the last couple of games, just everybody pitching in and then appreciating everyone else's success, which is really healthy. And then to see Lonzo do what he did to pick up a a triple-double as they added on a couple of assists that were taken away that shouldn't have been taken away. Uh, These are good days right now. And – the real positive is, and I said this to Trage Langdon uh, as we got ready for this road trip, we got help last night. Everybody we needed to lose, I hate to be this uh, scoreboard watching this early, but I am, and everybody we needed lost last night, and that's a positive too. I was about to say, because people think I'm crazy, I said this on the air the other night, that the fact that you're only four games back here after a tough 13-game losing streak, and you're right, I think it's okay to scoreboard watch us because, uh, one, the eighth spot in the Western Conference seems to be wide open, and two, if you keep winning like this, you're going to eventually start moving up these standings. Yeah, and it's actually, look at the loss column more than anything else. And San Antonio's got 18 losses, Pels have 23 losses, so you can't get losses back. So it's five back in the loss column, and it may boil down to chasing San Antonio because they're a veteran squad. They're not going to go anywhere. And then also take into consideration the Pell schedule is going to improve, and especially right after the All-Star break. It's not going to be as severe as it has been, one of the top two or three schedules most difficult in the NBA. Yeah, it's still uh, right now, according to the power ranking, still the toughest schedule in the NBA as of this week. And But the nice thing is the Pelicans only have two games this week. But uh, before we left for this road trip, the Pelicans got more positive news as Zion Williamson returned to practice for the first time. So it's nice to see him back on the floor. And who knows when we can get him back. But certainly probably an added boost to this team, even knowing that he's back at practice. Yeah, it's a pick-me-up. Uh, he's just a great spirit, a great energy about him. He gets on the bus, he gets on the plane, wherever. He's He's dapping us. He, he can't wait to get him back on the floor. As he said, after uh, practice, he said, if it was up to me, I would have been back a couple of weeks ago. But the club, fortunately, is protecting Zion from himself. So when he gets back, it's going to be up. It's going to be a positive. And then remember, he's a four by position. But I always say to people, he's almost position free because he's going to make everybody around him better the way he plays the game. He's just an energy guy. He's a putback guy. He's going to be around the rim. He'll rebound. He'll run, and he can handle the basketball. There's a lot of good things happening. Yeah, absolutely, and it, now we have this road trip coming up, a, a rare back-to-back on the West Coast. Just a quick trip here to Los Angeles and Sacramento, but 
Let's start with this big game against Los Angeles Lakers. It's the first time that our three guys and Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, and Lonzo Ball will play their former team here in Los Angeles. It'll be interesting to see how they respond to the team that traded for him earlier this year. Yeah, I think it's going to be tough because they're all so young. I don't think it's going to be simple. I think if you're a vet, it's one thing, and you're in your late 20s. But Brandon's the oldest, and he's 22. So it's a different experience for all of them. Uh, I hope they let the game come to them more than anything else and don't try to do too much too soon. I don't think they will because they're in a real good groove now, winning four straight and five of six. Confidence level has never been higher. And they know the building. They know the atmosphere. But I'm happy for them. They're coming back on an uptick. What would you say as far as looking at the Lakers here before I I get into some other topics here? um, What sticks out with them? Of course, they've been – you know, one of the best teams in the Western Conference, won a little bit of losing streak back on the winning side here. What sticks out to them um, besides the obvious of LeBron and AD? Well, the obvious is they have the best two-band combination in the NBA. When everybody was talking about duos, it's AD and LeBron. LeBron actually in AD because that's his sidekick. So, and, and they're the only team that's averaged, got two guys averaging 25 or more. So they go into a game and they know they're going to get 50, if not more than 50, from those two guys, plus everything else LeBron does with the triple-doubles, the assists, the boards, AD as well. So it's up to the other role players, whether or not they're on that night, whether they fill that need that that Frank Vogel's looking for. One thing you have noticed, though, one's off the floor, they can't survive. They need both on the floor to play at their highest level. Take one of them off the floor, there's a serious drop-off. All right, so it should be an interesting game tonight. But before I let you go, Joel, unfortunately, with and on a sad note, is, of course, the passing of David Stern on New Year's Day. Um, obviously, a, a big reason why the NBA is what it is right now. Um, do you have any memories of David or just kind of your thoughts on on the passing of him as this is a kind of a tough time, just the way he was able to kind of revolutionize the NBA. And, you know, he took it from 23 teams to 30. There's still plenty of teams. Also, the impact he had on the city of New Orleans. Well, he was a champion of the city of New Orleans, first and foremost. He was a great friend to the city of New Orleans. I, I watched the video over of him and, and Mr. and Mrs. B, and when he was saying, you know, and, and he wondered if Mr. B was talking about changing the name, and he goes, you don't own him yet. And he goes, you've already got 25000 wait a minute, $25 million of my money, so wait a minute. It was really just, it was a sweet moment to look back at that. The one thing that stands out to me about David is the way he had an unreal vision that this could be global. And it started, well, you got to remember, he started in 1966 with the league. He became the commissioner in in, uh, 84, but remember this, he was with the league for 18 years before he became a vice president, 18 years before he became commissioner, 80, he became a vice president right under Larry O'Brien. But what he brought was, uh, he's a brilliant guy, and his profession, it's law. And he's a brilliant guy on that side, but his passion, like all of us, he loved the game. And he had the foresight to not only promote, and he always emphasized it's a form of entertainment. We're here to entertain. Uh, But he promoted the the stars. He wanted the stars to be put on a platform, on a pedestal, which they should be. They're gifted artists. We're, We're watching the elite in the world every night in the NBA. But he had that foresight in 92, the the dream team, to orchestrate that, to have Larry and Magic and Michael over there. And I did the games with Billy Packer on NBC Radio. It was it was an experience. You could see. And now to see where basketball is as the number two sport in the world, everybody that is working in the NBA owes David Stern. It's unbelievable gratitude from all of us for what he did for all of us. We wouldn't be in the position we're in right now. And if you saw, based on the outpouring of you know respect being shown to him and all the people reaching out and 
uh, saying what they have to say on Twitter and social media. It's amazing how many people he affected in so many different ways, even the WNBA and things like that. It's amazing how many people he affected with his time in the NBA. Well, I said he was a bright guy. He was also a very tough guy. And he was going to accomplish a great deal. And he had a goal. He had a vision. And whether it was the women's basketball, the men's basketball, uh, transplanting basketball everywhere, basketball without borders, 25, 30 years ago, uh, down to Africa, to countries that didn't have basketball. So it's amazing what he did for all of us. And like I said, uh, all of us are very fortunate that he came along when he did because a lot of us, like myself, we remember when the finals, we had to wait for him. Hours after they were over and they were on tape delay. And so it's it's a loss. It's a huge loss. He was a great voice for Adam, I guarantee you, in the background as well. And it, it's the, the league's in great shape. The game is in great shape uh, because of David's turn. It's the number two sport in the world. And nobody could have envisioned that when we were watching the NBA Finals on tape delay. I figured you're the perfect person to kind of talk about the subject here as we're all mourning the loss of David Stern. I also want to get your thoughts on the Pelicans as well since we haven't talked to you a while on this podcast. So, Joel, I really appreciate it. And let's uh, get two W's and then go home. Sound good? Yeah, six-game winning streak sounds really good. Thank you. Yes, it does. As promised, joining us now is former New Orleans Hornet Bobby Jackson, also former sixth man of the year. And uh, now he begins uh, another season with the Sacramento Kings, this time as an assistant coach and player development coach. First off, Bobby, uh, how are you? Good to good to have you on. Well, thanks, man. Thanks for having me. I'm good. Thank you very much. No problem. So before we get into your days here uh, with New Orleans, can you just touch on kind of you're your not a new role because you've been with the Kings uh, for last year as far as a player development coach, but kind of what you've been doing now with Sacramento as far as your player development stuff? Well, just uh, like you said, assistant coach, player development. Um, trying to, you know, help the young guys win games, but also develop their games on the floor. Um, as far as me, just to continue to try to become the best coach, study, watch them, break down for them um, as much as possible um, to try to try to become the best coach I can become. Um, but it's been fun. It's been um, a real treat to work with our guys and come in every day and, and learn uh, new things every day, but also help guys learn new things every day. Uh, was this coaching on your mind uh, when you retired from basketball? Was that something afterwards that you knew you were going to get into coaching somehow? I know you were a scout for a little bit as well, but was this something that you thought was going to be on the table when you were done playing basketball? Yeah, I knew it was going to be there. You know, I think being around basketball for so long, the understanding the, the game and seeing the game um, as, a, as a guard, kind of easy for me to jump into this role and uh, relish in it, but also help me uh, tighten up my coaching skills and my philosophy, uh, offensively and defensively, uh, and just love being on the floor with the guys uh, every single day, helping them uh, become the best players they can, can become. Bobby, you uh, you came to to New Orleans or the organization in the off season of 2006, which is obviously very unique circumstances because the team had already played one season in Oklahoma City and then they were going into a second season there what what do you what what stands out to you the most about that season or that that time period it just seemed like it's such a such a um thing that's difficult to compare to really anything else that a player would deal with as far as just kind of being in limbo there for that one season yeah i think like you said i think you said right being in limbo 
Uh, but I can say this. I think the one thing when we did go to LKC, we relished as a team. We pulled together. Um, we took pride in putting on that jersey every single night and representing New Orleans, even though we was in OKC. Uh, so I think the, the, the friendships that we created and the bonds that we created um, on the floor uh, with that special group uh, allowed us to be successful on the floor um, with Chris and Tyson and David West, Demario Pargo, just to name a few. So um, those guys really, really made it easier for everyone, uh, including Byron Scott. You know, tough coach, uh, tough-minded. Um, so you know, being together with those guys kind of allowed us uh, to have fun, but enjoy the moment and remember why we were in the NBA. Yeah, and. I- then in um, 07, 08, which a lot of people around here still remember as the best, you know, season that the teams had in franchise history, it was it was also unique for you because you were traded kind of midway through that season. But I think a lot of people would look at this from the outside and say, you know, it was unfortunate for you that a team that did so well here that you were traded from. But the Houston team that you went to actually had a huge uh, winning streak. What what was that? That season must have been just so interesting for you to kind of be a part of two teams that were so exceptionally successful. What was it like for you to be part of, uh, I guess, what happened in Houston when you got there? Yeah, I, that's probably the first time that I've ever been a part of a, a winning team. When I actually got traded, we were like the number one team in the West, I think. Mm-hmm. And we had the best record in the league. And, and, and so, you know, it was kind of confusing and frustrating, but it, it was a business. Uh, and then I go to another team that <laughs> – we get on a, a 22-game winning streak, which is still uh, one of the best win streaks in NBA history, yeah. um, outside of the Boston one. Um, but it allowed us to, to, you know, being in New Orleans, it allowed us to to grow. But it allowed me to take that winning, the winning, um, I went uh, the winning side to Houston um, that we had going on in. Um, and in New Orleans and OKC to, to, to figure out how to be successful and talk to guys and be a veteran. You know, I think it was my 10th year, be a veteran, understand um, what it took uh, to be efficient as a basketball player. Uh, so it, it, was, it was truly special uh, being traded and being traded to a team that, uh, that, was, that made it to the playoffs and won 22 games. Yeah, I mean, I know people talk about a lot about the teams that have a chance to win 70 games, but I, I'd have to look this up, but it sounds like you probably almost won 70 games that year if you had you were on a team that had the number one seed and then you went to another team that won 22 games in a row. So, yeah, that was that's a that's the kind of experience you don't you don't see a lot in the NBA. But No, without a doubt. Um, you know, the other thing I wanted to ask you about, just a, a huge part of your career, obviously you're, you're in Sacramento now, but I think a lot of people that watched your career remember – you most in some ways for being such a, a crucial part of that Sacramento team that honestly was probably one of the most popular teams of that era as far as people just love to watch you guys play as far as the passing and the cutting. And, and when, when you look back at that team, I know a lot of people in 2019 when they talk about how the NBA now is a lot more, is a, is a faster game, faster more paced, and the, the spacing and the passing and the cutting have, have become such a huge part of the game. People a lot of times talk about Phoenix as far as the the influence that they had, but how much do you think that that those Sacramento teams had as far as 
an impact on the way that the game, the kind of the direction that the game went as far as the style of play and just uh, the unselfishness and stuff like that? Uh, I think it, it, it kind of revolutionized the NBA because people seen, and we thought we played fast. Um, and in today's NBA, we would probably be playing slow. Yeah. Uh, but we played at a tempo where we were very efficient. Uh, and, and to this day, uh, Rick Alderman, who the offense of uh, the offense that he created, uh, which allowed us to um, to be efficient with the corner offense, uh, playing out of splits, and you see that so prevalent in today's NBA because there's so much movement that we were doing in our offense, and it's hard to guard. Um, so you know, it kind of transitioned the game today and coaches are still taking things from Rick Adams' playbook and mm-hmm. then putting it into their playbook because once you find guys that can pass, shoot, cut, um, play at a high level, it allows you to have a lot of success on the basketball court. And so that was one of the special things we're playing with that Sacramento Kings team. We kind of understood what we were coming in every coming in for every single night and we love doing it. Bobby, before I let you go, obviously we heard the tough news yesterday with the uh, passing of David Stern. Um, of course, he was a big part of the NBA in the last 30 years and um, did a lot not only for us here in the city of New Orleans as far as when the NBA was owning the team back in 2012, but also, of course, keeping the Sacramento Kings in Sacramento. Of course, there's David Stern way um, there in Sacramento. What what does the passing kind of mean to you in the city of Sacramento and just kind of your thoughts on him? Well, number one, I think, you know, losing somebody that impacted the game of basketball, the NBA game, um, so heavily uh, and able to um, make a, a, a stand to every organization, I mean, especially Sacramento, um, it's a sad loss, and, and condolences goes out to him and his family um, because when you lose a loved one, it's very emotional. Um, you remember the good things that they've done and all the, you know, the memories. Um, so, in fact, he kind of kept us here and allowed us to stay the Sacramento Kings. I remember the time when we was thinking about moving to Seattle and man, that last game was so emotional. And I thought he kind of fought to galvanize the city, to keep the team in Sacramento. But, you know, he built a, a great brand uh, from from not ground up, but um, just changed it so many ways and, you know, made it an international game. And for him to be gone is, is a huge loss for the NBA. And I think a lot of NBA is mourning because he impacted a lot of teams, but he also impacted a lot of players and a lot of people outside of the NBA. Hey, you're absolutely right that you took the words right out of my mouth. He impacted so many, uh, no matter what the situation was, as far as um, how he took, kind of took the NBA to the next level and kind of wouldn't we wouldn't be here if it wasn't uh, for him and all the things that he did. Uh, for the league. Bobby, I really appreciate the time. I know we'll see you on Saturday as the Pelicans take on the Sacramento Kings. Looking forward to saying hello, and we appreciate the time. Hey, thank you, guys. I appreciate it, man. Yep.
Good stuff there from Bobby Jackson and Joel Myers. Big thanks to both of those guys for coming on the show today. Again, it's a game day here from Los Angeles. It's a late one, though. Stay up with us. It's the second game of an ESPN doubleheader, but you can watch it locally on Fox Sports New Orleans. Of course, you can also listen on ESPN New Orleans 100.3 FM and the Pelicans Radio Network, presented by Smoothie King, 9.30 p.m. tip-off. And I'll have pregame for you starting at 9 o'clock on the radio network. Pregame on Fox Sports New Orleans will also start at 9 o'clock. And then it's a back-to-back on Saturday night in Sacramento. The Pelicans will take on the Kings. That one's at 9 p.m. Central Time with pregame on both the radio and television set for 8.30. Then the Pelicans will travel back home on Sunday and will take on the Utah Jazz on Monday where we'll have another Pelicans podcast for you getting ready for that game against Utah. All right. Hope you all have a great night. Have a great weekend. Go Pelicans. Thanks for listening to the Pelicans podcast presented by Seeking.